Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thy hand with thy rod over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And now they're actually causing the frogs to come up because Pharaoh kept his heart hard after the first plague, which was blood in the water. So now it's time for the second plague. And you notice how merciful God is because he didn't continue to keep the water full of blood. He only did it for a week. And that way the people wouldn't die from it. They could dig for water for a week. And then after that, they would be able to drink out of the river again. So it does show you the compassion of God that even when he's punishing, he doesn't punish to the full extent to where the people would perish. No one perishes until the 10th plague. And after the 10th plague, when Pharaoh's heart is still hard, happy, the god of the river was assaulted during the first plague. And now the god of frogs, which is Hackett, is going to be assaulted and humiliated. These are just demon gods. And so God is deconstructing the Egyptian religion, one god after another, with one plague after another. And that may explain why there were ten plagues, is because God felt that there were ten main gods that he wanted to utterly destroy, humiliate, and make of nothing. The anthropologists do recognize that after the people from Avarice left Egypt in the Great Migration out of Egypt, and that's who these Hebrews were, when they were gone, the Egyptian religion changed. The Bible explains why the the Egyptian religion changed. It's because the real God proved that all these fake gods were fake. They had to rethink their whole religious system. 2. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. 3. And the magicians did in like manner with their secret arts and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. The magicians have been able to imitate, but they're never able to eradicate the problem. The problem isn't that they don't have enough frogs, they have too many frogs. And all the magicians can do is make the problem worse. They made more water turn to blood. Now they're making more frogs, but they're not helping the problem at all, so their magic is worthless. 4. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. Pharaoh is either lying or he truly feels a little bit repentant. Either way, it doesn't last. Pharaoh changes his mind and hardens his heart again. But every time Pharaoh either truly repents or fakes repentance, God does stop the plague each time. And when the Hebrews are wandering in the desert for 40 years, every time they repent of their sin, God will always stop their punishment too, instantly. God doesn't really like to punish us, even if he knows that we're doing fake repentance or our repentance is temporary. He still wants to alleviate our punishment instantly. He hates punishing us. The only reason he does it is to teach us. 5. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Have thou this glory over me? Against what time shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people that the frogs be destroyed from thee and thy houses and remain in the river only? Now Moses is saying, give me a specific time that you want me to ask the Lord to take the frogs away so that you know and I know and all of Egypt knows that it's God and it's not a coincidence. So Moses doesn't leave any avenue for anybody to call this a coincidence. 6. And he said, Against tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. So Moses is saying, You'll be delivered tomorrow, just like you said, because 
That way everybody will know that God did it. 7. And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. 8. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought upon Pharaoh. Moses is a prophet, and prophets always cry, they always mourn, and they often dress in clothes of mourning. The reason they do it is because they're crying because the people are in sin, and the people are going to die for their sins. And this is what causes a prophet to cry. Jeremiah cried. All the prophets cried. Jesus cried. All the prophets are in mourning, and that's how we know that prophets today are not real prophets. Because number one, they don't tell people to repent. They tell people that they're going to be blessed and get rich. That's not the job of a prophet. The job of a prophet is to lead people to repentance. Number two, they always take donations. And there is not one prophet in the entire Bible, Old or New Testament, who ever took donations or money from anyone. In fact, they made public statements that they would not take money and that they had never taken money. So I'm not making that up. It's actually in Scripture that prophets never take money. And three, the other mark of, of a true prophet is that they're in mourning. They cry for people because they know that people are going to die in their sin, and that's a very sad thing. It's very sad to know that because people refuse to repent that they're going to hell or that they're going to die or that destruction will come to them. And if you're a real prophet, you care about people. Prophets of today, they don't cry for the sins of the people. They don't have any compassion. They dress in luxury clothes. They wear jewelry. They live in palaces. They drive expensive cars. And they love popularity. They take as much money as they possibly can, and they give everybody good news. And that is complete opposite of what you see in the Bible with all the prophets in the Bible. 9. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courts, and out of the fields. 10. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. 11. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken. Pharaoh is choosing to be stubborn. He's still holding on to his religion. Even though God has allowed the land to stink because of all these dead frogs so that their god frog is worthless, Pharaoh still has a hard heart. 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the earth, that it may become gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. Now this is the beginning of Plague 3, and that is an assault to the god Kepri, K-H-E-P-R-I. And this god is associated with the morning. It's an Egyptian god associated with the morning. Because you know how when you go out in the morning for early morning walk, you see all these little gnats and flies coming to life? When the sun rises, the gnats and the flies rise as well. This god had the head of a fly. 13. And they did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and there were gnats upon man and upon beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. And you know how annoying it is when one gnat is flying around your face, but imagine hundreds of gnats flying around your face. That's what these Egyptians were dealing with. It does say all the dust. That's not a literal truth, because it's called hyperbole, and the Bible isn't lying just because it uses hyperbole. There are other cases in the Bible where you see hyperbole. Hyperbole is when you exaggerate to make a point. Like if I say I'm starving to death, that's hyperbole. All I'm telling you is I'm hungry, and you know I'm telling you I'm hungry. You know that I'm not really starving to death, but I'm exaggerating to make a point. I'm really hungry. 
I'm so hungry, I'm faint. But instead of saying that I'm really hungry and I'm about to drop and I'm I'm hangry, they just say I'm I know I'm starving to death. It's hyperbole. So here it says all the dust turned into gnats. Well, it probably felt like all the dust turned into gnats because they had gnats going up their nose, they had gnats in their food, they had gnats in their bed, they had gnats everywhere in their bathtub. So it probably felt like all the dust of the earth. So it's hyperbole statement. 14. And the magicians did so with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not, and there were gnats upon man and upon beast. All of the magic of the um, Egyptians has been worthless up to this point, and now they can't even perform their magic. And so God is showing Pharaoh that magic is worthless. No one ever benefits from magic. And here the Egyptians have benefited absolute zero from the magic of their magicians. 15. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. So the magicians are recognizing that they're just nothing but performers, and they have no godly power whatsoever. And it's the true God who is doing all this. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken. Now he's not even going to listen to his own magicians, who are now confessing the truth. 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. See how the Lord keeps giving Pharaoh all these chances to repent, which is what he's done with you and me. You know, I lived in sin for years, but the Lord gave me a thousand chances to repent. It wasn't like Lord struck lightning on me at the first sin. Oh, no way. He let me sin for decades before I finally repented and gave him my whole life. And that again shows you how compassionate God is. He could wipe all of us out today, but he doesn't want to. He wants to live with us forever in heaven. So he gives us every opportunity to repent because he really wants to be with us forever. 17. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. 18. And I will set apart in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, to the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. The Lord is going to give them an extra sign. He's going to say, from this point on, none of the plagues will ever touch Goshen, where, where avarice is, where all the Hebrews live, and where their livestock is dwelling. None of the plagues will touch that area. 19. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. By tomorrow shall this sign be. 20. And the Lord did so, and there came grievous swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh, and into his servants' houses, and in all the land of Egypt the land was ruined by reason of the swarms of flies. 21. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron, and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. So this is an act of repentance. We'll see if it lasts. 22. And Moses said, It is not meet to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, if we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? Pharaoh has said, You can sacrifice, but do it here in, in Egypt. I'm not going to let you go to the desert to sacrifice. So he's tr actually trying to compromise with them. But Moses is saying, Nope, we can't compromise with God. Moses is using a political argument. He's saying, Your own people will be angry if we sacrifice here because we're an abomination to them. Shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. 
23. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. So Moses is saying, I can't compromise. We need to go out in the wilderness. 24. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away and treat for me. Pharaoh is still trying to compromise. He's saying, okay, you can leave Egypt, but you can't travel for three days. You have to go right outside of Egypt. He's still trying to negotiate which shows a little bit of repentance on his part. But when God gives us a command, we don't negotiate. We have to do everything that God says. 25. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Tomorrow, only let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses says, Tomorrow I'm going to ask God to take the flies away. But you need to keep your word. You said that we can leave. You need to stand by it and let us go. 26. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. 27. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. 28. And Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he did not let the people go. Pharaoh is kind of just playing games. He's trying to trick God and Moses and, you know, pretend to be repentant, but he isn't really. He just wants things to stop. And that concludes Exodus chapter 8.